Hi, everyone, and welcome to the special simulcast of the Neil Haley Show and the Love Is Podcast. I'm excited to welcome the host of the Love Is Podcast, Kim Sorrell. Kim, how are you? I'm doing great, Neil. I'm so excited about our guest today. I am, too. We <laughs> had him on before. Ed is such a motivational guy. Go ahead, Kim. Yeah, Ed Smith, who had a baseball career and then switched to football. I don't know anyone who's ever done that before. And so that's going to be interesting to talk about. But um, is a podcast host and a radio host, a personality, uh, um, bigger than life, most wonderful guy. And we are just thrilled to have you, Ed. Thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure, Kim and Neil. And I've been looking forward to getting down with you guys. And, uh, you know, it's my pleasure to, to jump on with you. Yeah, well, thank you. And I know Believe is part of your gig. I mean, you just have so much going. So I would like to know, though, what? how does a guy go from baseball? So in high school, did you play everything? Yeah, I was a three-sports star. Uh, this is dating myself, but I was the 1987 Tri-State Athlete of the Year. And I was New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Delaware, I think it was. And, uh, you know, all-state uh, baseball player, uh, honorable mention, all-American tight end. And I also was a all-South Jersey uh, uh, Ford as far as basketball. Baseball was my first love. Uh, that was the way I wanted to go. Everyone wanted me to play football as well. When it all came down to it, I'd signed my letter of intent to go to the University of North Carolina, go Tar Heels. And I was going to play on a full baseball scholarship and do football on the side. That was my demand. I didn't want to go on a football scholarship because they have a 10 to then lead you in that direction and take baseball away from you. So I was going to play baseball, football on the side, and was all signed, sealed, and delivered. And then out of nowhere, the White Sox drafted me in the seventh round of the 87 amateur draft, a little haggling back and forth with them. I had college put into my contract via my mom. She didn't want me to... I give up that education. So I took less money, put education into the contract and was, you know, convinced by the White Sox that that was the route I should go. And that's how I, I kind of bypassed, uh, 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 you know, college and jumped right into the professional ranks two days after graduating high school in 1987 out of uh, Pemberton Township High School. So that was the, the beginning of my professional journey all those years ago. You know, it's very interesting, Ed. We talked about this on the the the, the show before that uh, you know the, the the journey of going and doing something when you really are kind of just understand trying to understand who you are as a person. Because I can, I want to kind of go more of a deeper question. You know, making choices in life, the choices we make, and then we look back at those choices. When you jumped and said, "I'm going to jump right from high school to the pros," were you? Did you have any? Second thoughts? I wouldn't say second thoughts. I I was just questioning, you know, was my passion was to play professional baseball. You know, I didn't know how soon I was going to do it. Obviously, I was the original thought was go to college. You do that for three plus years, depending on where what happens as far as then you, you know get drafted. And when the White Sox drafted me as, as high as they did and then pursued me as, as as vigorously as they did, you know, their thought was hi, why wait three years? To, to get to where you want to go anyway, you know, this is what it's all about. And, you know, and, and you know, trying to make those decisions. I was ba barely 18 when they drafted me. I was uh, turned 18 uh, June 5th of that year, and the draft was that same week. So you're talking about trying to make decisions for your 
life at such an early age. And it was, you know, I had some sleepless nights. But one of the things with my mom and dad, they didn't want to interfere in the decision, but they also, but they did want to guide me. So their thing was, look, it's your decision. Here are the pros, here are the cons. And, you know, so it was all up to me. And I had some sleepless nights being a teenager, hadn't yet even graduated from high school. I still had a couple weeks to go. And, you know, I, I remember even to this day, Neil, I got into a point because it was like, you got to make a decision. You got to make a decision. Now, at least as far as the White Sox were concerned. I remember one night just like going to move the movies by myself. I, I just needed some time to think. I went to this movie. Can't remember the movie was, but I just needed some like peace and quiet to feel, you know, to kind of see where my heart and my mind were. And, you know, took some thought and, I, you know, prayed on it. I thought about it and something led me in that direction. I couldn't tell you uh, the exact moment that I realized it, but it was something that was in my heart. I always knew I wanted to be a professional baseball player and the time felt right. And I did that. And a lot of people, after the way they saw how my career went, you know, obviously I ended up playing football as it was in the end. It was like, well, do you regret making that? I said, no, there's no regrets. You know, I rode the the path that was meant for me. I had some amazing experiences in you know, minor league baseball and as a football player. So, you know, in the in the beginning, no, it was like I said, there was there was a lot of intention within, but I, I think I made the right decision for myself. Yeah, well, here you are today and have had this incredible life, incredible story, journeys along the way. So apparently it was the right decision. But I I I have kids. And I'm thinking about when my boys turned 18 years old. And if I two days later had to say, see ya, you know, you're whatever, <laughs> you're going to the big leagues and you <laughs> never probably lived away from home before. Nope. Never had to deal with, you know, maybe even your own meals before. And probably, I don't know if you had to do your own laundry. So what was that like for you, that transition? That was a shock to the system, Kim. And interestingly enough, after we're done here, I'm going to go down and see my mom. I got to take care of a couple of things for her at the house. And I remember that day and you got to flash backwards. It was a time before 9-11 where you could walk someone all the way to the gate to the plane, you know. And I remember we were... I, two days after I walked down to, to get my, you know, high school diploma, two days later, my mom and dad are rushing me to the Philadelphia airport. You know, I had no idea what was in front of me. My brother, two years younger than me, was in the car. We're racing to get to the airport on time. We get my bags checked. We get to the gate. And that's when it hit us all. You know, we're a loving family, always been tight. And I, at, at one point, it was the, the lady was telling me, you know, you got to get on the plane. You got to get on the plane. I looked at my mom and she started bawling. As she started, she just turned and ran into the bathroom, crying, crying, crying. And I remember my dad and my brother were all hugging. And, you know, one of the flight attendants, sir, you got to get on the plane. So I get on the plane, you know, and I'm crying. I'm not knowing what's ahead of me. And I remember, <laughs> this is crazy. I had just signed my contract and it was good money way back in uh, 1987. I remember getting on the plane. I'm sitting there I'm wiping tears. I'm, you know, I got about two and a half hour flight, that flight down to Florida. And I, like I said, don't know what to expect. And one of the flight attendants comes on the plane. She says, excuse me, sir, this is for you. My dad gave me a $20 bill oh. just, just in case <laughs> I needed anything, you know? And I, I remember just sitting there and that was love. That's like, you know, 
And I just remember getting on the flight, you know, I'd get down to Florida. And as you mentioned, Kim, I had no idea. My mom, you know, she cooked for us. She cleaned. At some point when we were, my brother and I were early teenagers, she got tired of doing laundry all the time. She took us both downstairs and said, this is how you do laundry? At this point, both of you, you're responsible for your own laundry. I'm tired of this, you know. So I didn't know how to do laundry, didn't know how to cook, didn't know how to pay bills, none of this stuff. And off I was. And I remember landing down in Florida and went from being a high school student to a professional athlete in a matter of two days. Um, the whole thing was a debacle in the beginning. You know, my version of uh, like cooking was taking a jar of ragu, pouring it over some pasta, and that was it. There was no like seasoning, no nut. You know, I'm and I'm a, a very good cook now. I consider myself a great cook, but the early stages. I had no idea what it was all about. Steak was putting in there, high temperature, cooking as fast as possible, cooking as dark as possible and eat it. And it was a wonder. I was like, well, how come this doesn't taste like bombs? You know, and what I learned over the years, but those early stages, it was just like you would imagine. It was like a, a, a bird being tossed out of the nest, being told, okay, now you're on your own. Go fly, go find your own food, go pay your own bills, everything. It was comical, but the thing was, I had other guys who were in the same boat as myself, some a little seasoned because they'd gone to college, but some of my best friends today, here we are 30 plus years later, later, are those guys that I did that first part of my journey with, and we have some of the greatest stories, and we laugh sometime about how green we were, but oh my God, it was it was so funny in the beginning. You talk about the road. One thing I remember in our story before, because I'm like trying to definitely pinpoint our listeners that, you know, always uh, listen to this. And I, you definitely will be telling Kim on her TV show a little bit more and deeper because we're going to, we only have a short time with you. But when I think about specifically enough, um, that time on the road and time that probably it was more spending time with on the road with your teammates more than enjoying the politics of the game. That's that, that's what, caught made you walk away the politics so reminisces more about how you know how you wouldn't even have survived in this industry if it wasn't for you building these relationships and how important relationship building is oh absolutely you know we i, I think back to those days if i'd have been on my own trying to figure certain things out and i had we had guys who had a little more experience than us you know obviously i went down to rookie ball my first summer and then the following year i was on this team in South Bend, Indiana, and we had, you know, all of a sudden I went from playing 30 games in high school to the next year, I had 142 game schedule, you know, I had to manage that, you know, I had two roommates, Ray and Nandi, and like I said, these are guys that I'm in touch with to this day, we, we, you know, even something as simple as going to a grocery store, and we all had our different likes, so I liked the char- st- strawberry ice cream, Ray liked just vanilla, Nandi liked chocolate. So we get three different ice creams, three different types of sodas, drinks. Uh, we all had different foods we liked. So we would go shopping together and imagine this cart with three 18 to 22 year old, you know, because Ray was a little older than us. Our shopping, we'd have three shopping carts sometime all filled with stuff. We'd go home, put it in the refrigerator. And then, you know, we'd have a week at home, two weeks on the road. We'd come back, you know, we had to figure out laundry. We had to figure out uh, you know, paying bills together. It was so comical, you know, and with with no assistance. You know, when you're in college, you get residents, you know, in the dorm to help you do this. 
we had apartments, we had electric bills, we had cable bills, we had, you know, like I said, food. And there was no way that I would have survived this on my own. Later in my career, because I, you know, after spending nine years in the minor leagues, I had gotten to a point after five or six years where it was, okay, I'm a grown man now. It's time for me to do this on my own. I remember the first apartment I got my, you know, when we broke camp and we get to the city, I think it was Orlando, Florida, Florida in 94. That was the first year I said, okay, no more roommates. I'm making enough money where I'm going to do this on my own. And that was kind of my first experience. But, you know, you take those baby steps, but there's no way that without those early relationships and, you know, early fumblings that I could have done that on my own. And it was, like I said, it was, those are the relationships that I remember the most because they were so valuable. And uh, those guys, we, we, we laugh and cry all the time, how we really helped each other out and how we, it was, we were family. And that's why I love some of those guys so much to this day, because we, what we all went through together in those lower levels. Yeah. Wow. Relationships really are the, the thing, right? The most important thing in life are, are the people in your life. And, so it's really cool to hear that. You did mention that five or six years later, you finally went out on your own. So I don't know if you're a slow learner or you just love those guys so much you didn't want to leave them <laughs> or what. But yeah, that had to be quite quite the ride. Most but of the then- time, it, most of the time it was for economic purposes. You no, know, I playing in my legs. We had to make a whole bunch of money, you know, and it was always advantageous, especially when you think about it. We'd go to a city we get a whole uh, an apartment together and half the year we were on the road, 142 game schedule, 71 of those days were on the road. So it made more sense in those early years, you know, to, to, to kind of parse it out where, you know, we, everybody took on some responsibility, cut up uh, rent in, in thirds or whatever. I know some of some players, they did it all through their career. They'd have what, four, you know, four or five, six guys in an apartment. I never got that deep. And like I said, and I got to a point where it was finally time to do it on my own. I love that much better. But yeah, those early years, it was all about, uh, you know, kind of spreading spreading it out. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. So we definitely going to promote the Believe podcast, but Kim has a question she asked every one of the guests on this podcast. Go ahead with that question, Kim. Yeah. So Ed, um, yeah, everybody's got a story, right? So uh, I was diagnosed with breast cancer, and four months later, my husband was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and passed away six weeks after that. And it made me question some things. And one of the things that made me question was love. Like, what is what is love really? You know, what what's the true meaning? And so I dedicated a year to do this eat, pray, love sort of experience, mostly in mm-hmm. Haiti, where I um, took 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, love is patient, love is kind. And I took one word or phrase a month to figure out what is love that is patient? What is love that is kind? And it blew my mind. And I think that anytime you're in different situations, love can come to you in different ways. You know, you talk about your mama crying, that would have been me. I've been bawling my eyes out. And then talk about the relationship with these guys. What, what does love mean to you? Wow, that is, that's a deep question. That's a great question too, Kim. And first off, sorry for, you know, obviously you have your journey and, you know, lost your husband and, you know, dealing with breast cancer yourself. So sorry for some of the things that you've experienced. And I know they've made you probably stronger in your faith and in your life. So uh, for me, love, golly, I have two sons now. My first son was, born in 1989 and it was one of those situations where initially I thought 
he, he and his mother and I, you know, we were in love and, you know, we we're both 19 years old. We we're going to make this work. And it just didn't work out. And she ended up marrying another gentleman, leaving, taking my son. And I was without my son for so many years. And, you know, fast forward, uh, I had my other son just 13. He's 13 now. But just recently, uh, my oldest son is 33 now. We kind of had a recommitment to each other after us, you know, the two of us not being in each other's lives for a long time and just because of circumstance. And for me, love is, oh my, it's so deep. The, the fact that, you know, I have my 13-year-old son who I get to see every day now, raised him from birth. My oldest son, we lost so many years, but for me, love is that bond. And, you know, I had that with my father and my mother. I just lost my father four and a half years ago. Mm -hmm. And my mom, you know, she's still here and she's the anchor of the family and and there was there's so many you know things that I've experienced in my life um, through my family together uh, but just recently you know I've, I've been so thankful to God for bringing my oldest son back into my life and I recently told him that his grandfather uh, his pop-up would be so proud of what he and I are are doing now because he always wanted that for us and I'll, I'll tell you real quick my dad he was he'll tell you he would have told you he was not a perfect man but he had love for all of us and he called it unconditional love and regardless of what my dad was going through he was an alcoholic he you know these drugs at points in his life but he always was there for the family and we are always there for him and we all call it that unconditional love no matter what you do no matter where you go we're there for you and like I said, the fact that my oldest son and I are back together now and I have my youngest son and that those bonds and I'm there to be there for them, like my dad was there for us. I mean, to me, that's what, what love that's is all about. Is that, mm -hmm. that uh, uh, you know, that, that um, like I said, that bond. And, Fantastic. Uh, and now the, your podcast is on the Believe Podcast Network. What is it called again? Believe in the Cardinals. And you have a nationally syndicated radio show too. What is that? Yes, called? it's called the Easy Sports Talk Show, and that one has been we've done it. We did it six and a half years here locally in Arizona before getting the tap on the shoulder to take it national. So we're now in thirty-five states, ninety-eight uh, affiliates across the country, all the way out to Hawaii, every Florida up the coast. Uh, so you know, believe in the Cardinals podcast. We do that twice a week during the season. And uh, my partner and I, so we uh, we both do the radio show and the podcast and other things together. All right, fantastic. We appreciate it, Ed. Thanks again for stopping by. Thank you guys for having me. You're welcome. All right, that was a special simulcast of the Neil Haley Show and the Love Is Podcast, guys. Take care.